missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Footy Pants Podcast is back. Andrew, Santo, and Joe, as always. We missed a lot of time since our last uh, our last podcast was produced and aired. Um, last one coming on, was that the third? April third. April third. So yeah, we missed a bunch of a bunch of stuff. So get ready for a six hour podcast as we break down everything that happened since April third of this year. Um, Champions League. EPL, the table really shaping up, uh, the battle for Europe really being inconsistent, and FA Cup matches that took place over the past weekend. Uh, everything and all, everything and more to talk about yeah. tonight. Yeah, this uh, this is probably the biggest buildup we've had just because of the amount of stuff that's happened since we last talked. Yeah. Uh, just with our schedules and everything going on, just had trouble meeting, but... Um, I I do kind of, in one way, you know, obviously it's fun to just meet all the time. But when we have all this buildup, it just makes us so so many uh, interesting conversations, especially with what happened in Champions mm-hmm. League. So we're going to dive into that because we had some ridiculous games, some craziness that we haven't seen in a long time happen on the soccer field. Yeah. So we got got quite a bit to talk about. So I'm excited to get into it. Where are we going to start? Um. Okay, so we'll, I think we'll end the Champions League talk with Man City Atletico. So yeah. we'll, we'll end with that one. So let's just start off the bat with my Chelsea boys. Uh, they dropped the first leg to Real Madrid 3-1 at home at Stamford Bridge. Just a poor performance from Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Benzema just showing up again and like proving that even when Ronaldo was there at Real Madrid, I think it was still Benzema's team. Like even like back then, like Benzema was obviously a little bit younger, and he was like with the side a lot longer. But now that Ronaldo's gone, like he's clearly proven and solidified that he is like the top dog. Yeah. For Los Blancos, like he's just crazy. Yeah. And for him to get, I think it was a hat trick that game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, hat trick in in the game one in leg one against Chelsea. Um, a couple of gifts you could say, but also a couple of crazy finishes on his yeah. uh, on his part. From a Chelsea standpoint, I mean, they just didn't show up. And from then to put 20 shots and only five on target, that kind of just goes to show about how they've, you know, really missed clinical finishing this season. And, I mean, it can talk, make it a talking point of all time saying how Lukaku just hasn't shown up for them this year. And he hasn't given the impact that he thought he was going to bring for Chelsea when he came back. I mean, he's not even starting matches anymore. This is the biggest yeah. match that they've had basically all season up to this point. I mean, yeah. it's a quarterfinal of the Champions League against Real Madrid of all teams. You would want Lukaku to be like the number one guy on the sheet, but yeah. Tuchel is still hesitant to make that decision, mm-hmm. and he has to come on, on come on as a substitute. 
later on this game. But when he came on, I mean, it was already curtains closed, you know. Yeah. For them to be down, well, for them to give up three goals by the 46th minute, Kai Havertz pulling one back in the 40th to make it a little bit more um, doable for the second half. But for Lukaku to come in and not really show much of an impact, I mean, again, it just goes to show like he's just not been there for the team, and it's such a disappointment season for him. Yeah, yeah. Watching, watching. I think most of this game, um, it was it was really poor from Chelsea. Um, and you know, coming in as a defending champs, uh, obviously you would expect more, but it just kind of highlights where they're at in their season right yeah. now. I think. Um, but you know, credit to Real Madrid; they've obviously had their struggles. Um, in recent times and they just came and showed why they're the team that's won champions league as many times as they had. So, uh, and credit to Benzema, um, you know, he's coming in and, uh, uh, just putting in like a really good performance, um, in the form of his life right now at, at his age, it's really good to see. And low key too, like Luka Modric is so sick. Well, Especially what happened in the second yeah, leg. We'll get to, we'll second get to him second outside, leg. Second leg we'll get to Modric, but I just got to put that in just just to yeah. say. Like he's he's yeah. 36 years old, and he's still so good. Yeah, he uh, when he made his move from Tottenham to Real Madrid, my first thought, I mean, this was years ago when I think I obviously knew a lot less about footy. My first instinct was like, really? Like Modric's going to fit into Real Madrid? And, you know, he's just... He's their guy in the midfield in a lot of ways, right? He's mm-hmm. just, he's their maestro, really. It just goes to show that that talent just prevails. Like if you're, yeah. if you're just like the shining star of one team and you slot into another team that has like other shining stars, like you, you like you just you find your home. Because mm-hmm. at Tottenham, he was clearly like the biggest star like mm-hmm. on that team. I mean, they had Gareth Bale at that time too. I think kind of yeah. like Bale was like just emerging as Modest was leaving. Yeah, but. Promoters had taught him. He was like the standout, and then he gets like slotted into Real Madrid. And like kind of like what you said, Santi, I didn't know if he was gonna fit with them that well because there were so many other superstars around him. Mm-hmm. But we saw like right away. It took maybe one or two seasons for him to really solidify himself as like their main, mm-hmm. you know, their talisman, their maestro in the center of the midfield. And he's been able to do it now for almost a decade. It seems like yeah, just so consistent. Yeah, he's just filthy. I mean, well, again, we'll get him second leg. We'll we'll say more about him, but. Yeah. Um yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, well, even to touch on the second leg, I think Chelsea obviously didn't do themselves any favors with this first leg cuz I would say that the tie was lost in the first leg. Mm-hmm. Um because it <laughs> to go to the second leg, Chelsea played great. Well, this was first, the, this was Chelsea's best game of the season. Yeah, the first half in particular, they were just <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I think Chelsea if they can score like early, they'll have a chance." And they did. Um, and then, you know, they got that one in the 51st minute, but, um, they had a three, they had a three, no lead. Yeah. Like, yeah. They did everything they had to do. They, they did. I thought for sure. I was like, Oh, like Chelsea's got one hand in the next round. Right. But then obviously the quality of Modric <laughs> to put in that outside of the boot, you know, that's just the difference right there, you know? Um, and it's just so, it's just so strange, not strange, but like, I don't see that enough from English teams, oddly enough. Like, like in that, the Champions League. That class? Just that that level of class. Like mm-hmm. maybe De Bruyne. But um, just that level, like I don't see it as often as I would like from English teams. You know, you got City. Yeah. Aside from City and De Bruyne. 
but there's really no other midfielders that are really like mm-hmm. maestros, I would say, outside of like guys like, you know, the old guys like Pirlo, now Modric. Cruz. I know. And like that center midfield position is so sought after for teams too. Yeah. And I think we talked about it like, I mean, many podcasts ago. We we're trying to build like a really good team of like basically like who we thought was like the best center midfielder in the world was at the time or something. Mm-hmm. And from England, all I could think was De Bruyne. Like yeah, for just a yeah. world class. I think Bruno Fernandez was kind of in in the discussion as well, but I mean, when you're searching for like a center midfielder, you look elsewhere from England a lot of the time. Yeah, like there's not many good center mids other than De Bruyne and you know maybe two others or something. Yeah, that I can think of. But um, yeah, no, they're scattered throughout, and Luka Modric definitely is up there. Tony Cruz even as well mm-hmm. is up there for for um, Real Madrid. Yeah, Chelsea coming out and like. Pulling away from a 3-0 lead in the 75th minute. Shout out Timo Werner finally <laughs> doing something good that I can uh, I can respect. Um, for them to pull out like that, I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. Like yeah. for them, I mean, last leg they had 20-something shots, only five on target. This one they have 28 shots with seven on target. Um, the 28 shots, though, they really resemble like how well they played because they were still good quality shots. Yeah. Like, even if they weren't all hitting net and making Courtois you know, move and, and shake around to get the saves. They were still like actually good shots um, from this game. And again, dominant on possession, dominant on passing. Um, it's just a really hard fought after match. And it kind of hurt them. Like it, it kind of, it takes away like this performance that they did here takes away from how bad they were like from leg one. Yeah. Or like if they, like if they would have just played a little bit better leg one, then this would be more rewarding clearly. Yeah. And they wanted to fight as hard. But, I mean, if they could come out and play every game like this, they would be UPL champions this year. Yeah. like yeah. That, I think they put everything they had, all the energy they had, all the planning, and they already saw what Real Madrid could do from the first leg. So they kind of had, you know, that experience going into this match as well. At the Bernabeu. Is, that even, is it even Bernabeu? Is it their other facility? I don't know. No, it is a Bernabeu. But they, yeah. they put this, like, banner up here. They, they block off part of the stands, I guess. Yeah, so it's kind yeah, of weird. Not sure, not sure why they do that. I, I don't know if I don't know if Spain is still full capacity or not because of COVID restrictions. I mean, it look, uh, kind of looks yeah. like it from this picture. <laughs> but like um, this section blocked off. Block off the, the one stadium. section. Everywhere else the stadium. Is yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, it's like eighty-five percent or something capacity. But no, the performance from Chelsea from this game, I was. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying trying to I'm trying to take away like silver lining stuff. They played really well. Yeah, uh, they definitely deserve to win. But like we said, just world class prevails, and I mean the assist from Modric to the Rodrigo goal. Yeah, like we said, outside the boot, forty yard pass, like to his foot, just unbelievable. And yeah. then Kareem Benzema again showing up when the time time matters most and converting in the ninety sixth minute in the first fifteen minutes of extra time. And there's uh, there's a deficit that Chelsea couldn't recover from. They win the game three two, but they lose five four on aggregate. Um, they take away the away goal rule this year. It wouldn't have really mattered in Chelsea's standpoint, but mm-hmm. still, um, hard fought game from Tuchel, Tuchel's boys, but uh, not enough. And we have Real Madrid moving on to the semifinal to face against Man City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really exciting to watch. I mean, that was probably the the two two most exciting legs uh, that I've watched in a long time. It was really good. The yeah. commentators are going nuts too. The commentators are like, this yeah. is the most exciting football match you've ever seen in your life. Like, yeah, like when do you when do you see that? Especially when uh both both events are away with both teams who are performing well. So like mm-hmm. Real Madrid 
playing unbelievable at Chelsea and then mm-hmm. Chelsea coming back to get that 3-0 lead at the Bernabeu is yeah. something you really don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, right right when Modric received that ball and just like release it from his foot, just, I, I think, especially people who don't watch footy, to be able to make that pass right when he received it, like mm-hmm. he didn't really take a lot of time to see where oh, no, his pass was... He received it and put it outside the boot right away. Yeah, it was a huge heads up play. Yeah. So that just all the vision, obviously the skill to be able to do that was was unbelievable. But like Joe was saying, you don't really see a lot of clutch moments like that when a team is really behind, just someone to drag them out and give them a lifeline. Whereas in this case, you have someone like Modric who can. So it would be nice to see a little more of that because in England, um, and I think some pundits have talked about this too, where um, you know the EPL might be one of the hardest leagues to go behind in um because it's at least i don't really see a lot of comebacks um and like really big comebacks um might just be a perception thing but um a lot of times it's just you know you get a lead and that's really it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's it you go best you can hope for is uh i yeah i do notice it when it's like scrappy teams yeah. Like if it's, you know, a Burnley and a Southampton, then you can maybe see like a mm-hmm. five three thriller or a four three game or something. But like but two top teams. Yeah, you don't see it very often. Like a two 0 deficit, yeah. like that's curtains. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you, there's no coming back for that because they're able to because that team that's up two nil is able to get the lead but also solidify, you know, their game plan for the rest of the game. And so okay, our first first step, get the lead. Second step, maybe get one more to like really be safe. And then third step we're just gonna shut the thing down, and like yeah. nothing's gonna get past our line. Caveat is uh, Chelsea losing to Brentford four one after they were up one nothing. Some bitch, Joe. <laughs> that was in our our streak, wasn't it? Our, yeah. It was one of our missing our missing games to talk about. Yes, Chelsea lost four one to Brentford. It was terrible. Christian Eriksen scored a goal. Yes, yeah, we'll, that's good. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I mean, go just go to Man City now. They're facing Real Madrid semifinal. And they came away 1-0 victors against Atletico in the first leg of the match on April the 5th. This game was at the um, at the uh, Etihad yep. Stadium. A game heavily dominated by Man City. Mm-hmm. I mean... No shots, no shots on target. Yeah, if you were just... Even like a casual fan could look at the stat line here and be like, wow. Like without knowing the score, they'd probably think that Man City dominated this game and won 5-0. Yeah. But um, only 1-0 victory. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne scored a nice goal, 70th minute. Um, I don't. Th- I think I might just saw the highlight package of this game. I'm sure you guys actually tuned in for the whole thing. Yep. What was your guys' uh, reaction to it? Because I don't think the score line, you know, shows like how well Man City played this game. Yeah. But was it a case of missed opportunities, or was it a case of Atletico maybe, you know, yeah, allowing Man City to pressure them like they do, but also playing well defensively. Um, for me, I wouldn't say they played well defensively. I mean, they did. Um, I don't know if City was particularly at their best. It might have been also a frustrate, like a lot of goals just frustrated them a bit. Um, you know, it just goes to show they had you know only two shots on target, but mm. uh, Atletico played the game. I know one of the pundits said it. They played the game not to lose. Um, and just what was disappointing about Atletico is they didn't really threaten when they got the ball. There was no effort to go do a counterattack or anything like that. 
Um, so yeah, it was just a typical case of City going against a team that's set up with five defenders and five midfielders with no real desire to go and attack. And yeah, I mean, I didn't catch catch too much of the game, but I caught a bit of the second half, and it was just City with the ball and just a. I think what all I think at one point almost all eleven players for Atletico were in the box, so it was just one of those games. And mm-hmm. It was it was not the greatest thing to see, but yeah. is what it is. Yeah, I was able to tune into all this game, and uh, you know, it was, I, I don't want to say piece of match from De Bruyne because it did take a pretty big deflection on his goal. Yeah, um, but it was uh, it was just a case of you know just dominating Man City performance, but. It, it was similar to how they experience uh, a lot of what happens in the EPL when they're just facing a resilient team and they're finding a tough way to uh, to get in behind. Um, but it was a really good, I guess, tactical play by uh, Guardiola to bring on Foden because he was on for almost no time at all. And then that he should have scored a goal. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show how far um, uh, Foden's come for City. I mean... He he was still kind of in his like maybe immaturity phase just a few seasons ago, where he was still kind of like developing as a player. Now a lot of times he's their like go to guy in in times of need, um, and he came on and made an instant impact. So they really needed that. Um, I think the scoreline is fairly justified just because City didn't create a ton of good chances, uh, but you know. Lo and behold, they they were still able to pull it off in the second leg with a lot of drama. Yeah, um, yeah. Like what a luxury though for Pep to have to bring in like Foden and Grealish off the bench. You yeah, uh, Mares and Sterling started this game for them on the wings, and then yeah, to bring in <clears throat> sorry to bring in Foden, uh, Grealish, and Gabriel Jesus. Like again, at any other team, these are the three all stars on the team, the three, mm-hmm. the three like guys with the first name on the sheet starting the match. So. Yeah, Foden's, I mean, he's he's starting to grow on me a little bit. I gave him some flack earlier in the season. You guys had him on your list as, like, you know, top 11 player of the year. I don't think I was, he was that good. Mm-hmm. Like, I would still pick, I think I would still pick Grealish over him if I had to, like, to start a match for me. Um, I think Foden still has to just, like, prove a little bit more because he's not, he doesn't play many 90-minute games. Like, he doesn't start many games and finish them, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs to be counted on a little bit more and, like, a little more responsible for the team. Or not responsible, have a little more confidence, like that he's going to carry the team forward. Um, for him to kind of get more points in my books, yeah. Where I feel like, like Jack Grealish, we've seen him at Aston Villa, he can carry a team like no other. Yeah, like we know he's a captain of there. He's you know, I think he's solidified his spot, solidified his spot. That's my word of the day so far. Solidify, <laughs> I said like six times already. He solidified himself as a top Premier League player, and um, yeah, Foden's up and coming. I mean, I have nothing against the kid, I just I don't I don't hold him in in has in as high regard as you guys do I think. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, City pulling away one nil victors at home in the first leg, and then the return fixture back in Madrid, and the drama. I mean, <laughs> if anyone, it started early and it ended late. But yeah, for anyone that says uh, zero zero soccer games are boring. I mean, granted, there are some boring 0-0 soccer games. If you want to watch a footy game... This match had everything but a goal. Yeah. (laughs) It had everything but a goal. There's red cards, yellow cards. There's an elephant at some point, a thing on the field. There's a lot of shit going on here. Yeah. Um, But it was good to see that, you know, 
Madrid had some Atletico Madrid had some bounce back. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see a Man City game, like like we just touched on in the, in the first leg, if you look at just the stats and not look at the scoreline, you're gonna see Man City have majority possession in any game that they play against against any opponent. Yeah, this game here, the possession being sixty one to thirty nine in favor of Man City. It does show they obviously had more pressure, but there was more fight and more grit from Atletico in this game, mm-hmm. clearly being down 1-0. Um, going into this last leg, you have to you know show yourself a little bit more. But yeah. even without the goals and even without the attacking prowess of this match, it was still just really entertaining. Yeah. Because like again, like this is what like this is what soccer is in April, you know, getting towards the end of the season. I mean you have Man City fighting for the EPL title. You have Atletico kind of right there still in the top three for La Liga. This is a huge game going to the semifinal to face Real Madrid in the next leg. Everything basically everything's on the line. So you have to, you have all your players, you have all your fans, all your support, you know, giving everything for this one match. And again, a goal didn't come from it. I mean, I think we would have seen way more fireworks if a goal if a goal did come from this game. Like, could yeah. you imagine if something happened? Like, imagine a goal scored like in the fortieth minute. Just before halftime by either side. Yeah. That second half would have been nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been this crazy, game on steroids, basically. Crazy, crazier than it already was. Um, so everything popping off in the last 10 minutes or so. But even so, like, it was even the last 10 minutes, a goal could, could have came from either side. Yeah. yeah. That's the crazy part about it. Man City didn't have to score. Mm-hmm. But they they still had a bulk of the chances in the last 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. Just because Atletico did put like that much more pressure um, on Man City. But yeah, I mean, I was like watching bits and pieces of it. I was, I was I was doing dinner or something, so I had to kind of duck my head down and watch the TV as everything was unfolding. So, um, just for our listeners, want you guys explain what happened in the last ten minutes? Yeah, so I I was able to watch this from start to finish. You lucky uh, dog. Yeah. Um, it was honestly, I feel like the last ten minutes of the game was a slow like like pop boiling up until that point. I mean, right from the start, Atletico were, I feel like they were targeting Foden uh, in particular a lot. Um, ball was, I remember one instance, ball was going out for a throw in. Foden starts slowing down. He knows it's going to go out. Savage is right behind him going. And he just basically like checks him from behind, like going into the boards. Ref doesn't really talk to Savage at all. And Foden is obviously upset. I mean, leaving mm-hmm. a huge after it. But mm-hmm. I, I get the the sense where refs don't want to give yellows early because then they have to set that bar for the rest of the game. So that's what the ref was doing this game. So there were lots of tackles. I mean, uh, Philip, Felipe? Felipe? I don't even Felipe, know. Felipe, yeah. Yeah, Felipe. I can't even pronounce his name properly. But he early in the game, he came right through Foden, and Foden had to get the whole headband yeah. thing going on. He was bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, ref didn't give him a yellow for that. Um so he didn't want to set a precedent early on, but um, it was just like tackle after tackle. And then Foden is just, you know, getting targeted more and more by the, by Atletico D. And then, uh, <laughs> so there's so many yellows yeah. in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And then um, from the 80th minute on, there's like seven yellow cards. Yeah. So uh, 83rd <laughs> minute or 82nd minute, it was, uh, you know, Foden's run down the touchline. Uh, and then uh, Felipe comes in and does a slide tackle. Mm-hmm. But on his way up, he basically kicks Foden in the back of the leg. Foden goes on the ground, you know, and he, Foden strategically, you know, because he's out of bounds when he's on the ground, rolls onto the field while holding his leg. 
and for anyone that doesn't like watch footy a lot, if you're off the field and you have an injury, the ref can still let the play go on. But Foden knew that, so he kind of just rolls on the field while like holding his injury, so that the ref has to stop the play. Mm-hmm. Waste some more time. Yeah, kill wasting. the clock. So Savage uh, sees what Foden is doing and starts sprinting towards Foden, and luckily uh, Zinchenko was there. Um, and Savage proceeds to try and like pull Foden's jersey to like rip him off the field, basically. And Zinchenko's holding him off. And next thing you know, uh, both benches are clearing off and <laughs> running towards the situation, and then just like mayhem ensues from there. <laughs> uh, I love a description on here. Savage goes into the book for his part in the melee. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at the look at the contract. Melee. Phone is brought down. Melee. So, yeah, if you guys ever want to look at the, look, if you guys ever look at the, choose your character. I mean, choose like, your character. The, on, yeah, the online commentary. Um, Phil Foden is posted. (laughs) (laughs) If you just Google search uh, the matches, you can go to Chic the timeline, and they give you basically like minute by minute breakdowns of the match, and it's all it's all through text, like not it's no audio, so it's you have to envision someone saying it, but to read it is something else. (laughs) I love the all caps melee. That is off. (laughs) Felipe perhaps lucky to remain in the field in the first half, but now is sent off. It's kind of like. It's kind of like like, um, like attitude, like behind it a little bit, like ninetieth minute. Mitty. Well, is br- what a block. Foden is brought down by Felipe Lodflank and stays down. Savage races over, tries to pick up the midfielder, which causes a huge confrontation between the two sets of players. It's chaos on the field, and the referee has to bring it under control. That's not a bad description. No, that's, that's basically what it was. I mean, there was so much that happened. Um, I don't know how Savage didn't get red carded. I don't know how there wasn't a camera on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had butted Foden in the thing. Like he should have been Or Sterling. Or or sorry of uh he had butted Sterling uh during that whole melee, I guess. <laughs> melee <laughs> using that term. Um uh-huh. but yeah he headbutted him during that whole thing and you know uh he it, someone obviously got a picture of it because it's mm-hmm. all over the internet but somehow VAR didn't see that. I mean granted they have 47 players you got to keep an eye on during that whole skirmish yeah, yeah. but um yeah i mean bench is cleared felipe got a red card and uh savage also pulled Grealish's hair um, yeah, that was another talking point too yeah yeah so tripping, tripping Grealish's hair yeah and uh it didn't really stop uh on the field i mean game continued um ended zero zero but uh, craziness continued in the tunnel to yeah. the teams. Um, just Savage and Grealish got into it in the tunnel, and then the police had to get involved. So I was gonna say, yeah, something about mm-hmm. the police got involved too, right? Yeah, yeah. So they were they were going at it. Um, just craziness. I mean, it it does get the the adrenaline going, but at the end of the day, it's not really what you want to see. Seeing as you have like ten year olds who probably like look up to Savage as a hero, and they're like, oh, this guy's just headbutting people and like getting all mm-hmm. wound up. So, yeah. when did the headbutt become a thing? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, like the players going at each other and then like headbutting. I don't know. But like, very weird. There's so many other things you can do. I mean, I know like the, I mean, the headbutt around the world, the headbutt heard around the world. <laughs> that's Zidane. That's what started. 2006. I mean, if you know, you know. Shout out Italy. Yeah. Not in the World Cup this year. Um. Yeah. Him doing that at the biggest stage of all time was nuts. But then, like after <laughs> that point, yeah, you basically see it, you know, frequently now. Yeah. Just a little nudge of the head, like players flop down, obviously. But like I've seen some before that are like a real headbutt. Like, yeah. Like I don't think headbutting is allowed in the UFC. 
<laughs> like I've seen some like UFC style headbutts. Yeah. Yeah. Like full force into it. Like Yeah. I think I don't get it. I feel like maybe it, it's that uh someone who plays feeling they can give the most damage without being caught doing a headbutt. But like you just said, there's so many cameras around. And in this case, Savage didn't get caught. But, I mean, with VAR now being a thing, and like you said, there's so many other, so many other things that they're looking at in this melee that was going on that they probably didn't see it. But on any other given day, like you headbutt somebody, someone's going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, 100%. That's, that's straight red no matter what now. Yeah. Even like the littlest touch, mm-hmm. like they'll, they'll get caught. Yeah. yeah. And you get shown a straight red. Yeah. I mean, just to touch on it, Letty, uh, it's very unfortunate because we saw moments in the in this leg where they had so much potential going forward. And I know one of the pundits mentioned he's like the uh, who's the head coach, Simeone. How he they've spent so much money on this team. You know, you have what Griezmann, Joao Felix, Carrasco, like so many good players. Suarez going back too. Suarez, you know, didn't all play, these guys didn't play in this match, but Suarez going back too. All these guys, and like you still play games like you, they're just a bunch of thugs. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you have so much more potential with this team. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's how the manager wants them to play. And it's, you know, yeah. It's yeah for me it's 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 unfortunate as well. I mean he was even riling up all the fans whenever City would go down. He would get all the fans all like sarcastic clapping mm-hmm. with everyone. So it, it would be interesting to see if they had uh, you know a manager that wasn't I guess it feels like Diego Simeone is like very against his opponent, whoever <laughs> mm-hmm. he's playing against. Like it's. Um, I think someone put it well where it's like you have Atleti playing City. It's like a rivalry where it's almost dirty, mm-hmm. where you have City playing Liverpool and it's like a tactical rivalry. That right? makes sense. Klopp, Guardiola, huge respect for each other. Yeah. You know, speak highly of each other. All the players, you know, um, even though they can get into it, they still have, you know, that underlying respect. A lot of the players know each other. Here, it's it's like one of those games you see in our league where it's just like... Yeah, craziness can ensue. So that's too bad because, like you said, I think they have a lot of potential, um, and it would be good to see what they can do with that when they're not so focused on doing whatever they were doing during the Man City game. And I think that just kind of goes to show like Simeone's personality as well. Like he's just a firecracker. Yeah, like he's always like there to like motivate his team, fire them up. I mean, he's been the he's been the uh, the manager at the Atletico since 2011, so he's been there for over a decade. And what he's been able to accomplish in his time there is is amazing. Yeah, clearly. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he's starting to overstay his welcome at Atletico. I mean, I don't know if it's like if he was to ever leave, I don't know if it'd be him deciding to leave or it'd be mutual or it'd be Atletico saying, okay, we have to move di- move in a different direction now. I'm not totally mm-hmm. sure, but I mean, I would love to see him in in, in England. Like imagine him yeah. going against the likes of yeah, like you said, Pep and and Klopp and Tuchel. Like imagine like matching their passion for passion. Um, if, I mean, if Mourinho was still there, like, with awesome everything too. I just said, he's probably what man you need right now. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> After everything I said, that's what I've been. I I mentioned Simeone to get to the man best U. out of Man U. You probably need exactly Simeone <laughs> to just get some fight back in there and you it'll know, be a good do, balance. Do something. Yeah. 
Well, Mandy found their man. Yeah. Uh, Sighing. How do you, Eric Ten Hag? Is that his name? Ten Hag. Yeah. Hag, Eric, Eric Ten Hag. Okay. So at signing him, um, coming out of the IX camp, uh, he's been there for some time at IX, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken, I gotta look it up here. Um, again, another manager coming, kind of, kind of like what um what Ragnick was coming from the Bundesliga. I wasn't totally familiar with him. I definitely heard his name before, but I wasn't sure of like what his coaching style was like, what his managerial style was like. Yeah. Um. And then coming, you know, becoming more of like the um, like behind the scenes guy for Ragnick. I think that suits him a little bit better for the team because he was able to, like we said before in previous podcasts, um, he was able to bring the likes of, was it Leipzig? Was it Leipzig? Yeah, Leipzig and yeah. Schalke, I think, um, kind of from like nowheres to, you know, Bundesliga, mm-hmm. you know, contenders and obviously, you know, make the, make the teams better for what they are now. So I think Rennick in that role would be better, and he was hired basically to fill the void that Solskjaer left behind, plus be in charge of finding the new manager for United. And his, you know, I don't know if this is his first choice or not, but Man U comes out and signs Eric Ten Hag coming from Ajax. He was there since 2017. Um, I mean, major accomplishments as a manager from there. I mean, they don't have much competition basically in uh, in the Dutch league. Yeah. Um. I mean, PSV basically being like the only other competitor that they have, but Ajax, uh, managerial record, 155 wins, 26 draws, and 29 losses. So, I mean, that's a pretty crazy statistic. Yeah. 70, almost 74% uh, win percentage, crazy goal differential. Again, I'm not totally familiar with what his coaching style is like. I did read somewhere that he is not considering Ronaldo, though, in his yeah. future plans. Yeah. But if you guys saw that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just that being said, from taking that, um, information. I think he's going to be more looking towards a youth movement for United. Something that we've been saying for years, they kind of have to do. Start getting away from the likes of Matic and Juan Mata and you know Ronaldo, um, Cavani even, and start focusing more on the building blocks and you know having a good support system for the team. Yeah. Whether that's you know Rashford in the plans and Sancho and you know Harry Maguire is also getting up there in age a little bit. I don't know if he is quite captain and leadership material. Yeah, I've been saying that for a while now. Maybe he gets in, put in a different direction as well. De Gea is another like aging player. Been there forever. He always wants to leave. So I mean, this guy. Hopefully, I think he signed a two-year contract. Yeah, at least. So he kind of has. Is he going? In, he's not coming in this year. He's coming in next year, probably. Right. I believe so. Yeah. So he'll have two seasons. Hopefully, two seasons under his belt. Two full seasons. Um. Better than what Solskjaer had. I think Solskjaer was getting like one year contracts every single time. Yeah, so you're kind of like see a, how this one goes. Kind of like a lame duck when you're in that position. You know, you have to kind of show your worth and performance year by year. Yeah. But for him to show up there with a two year contract, it kind of gives him a little bit more, um, you know, confidence and uh, security under his belt to be able to pull the strings and do whatever he wants. He'll have two full transfer seasons plus obviously the January transfer window to do whatever he can to improve the team. And I feel like you know, it's a fresh start for United. Yeah. And I think, I mean, hopefully he'll be given the reins to, to make the fresh start that he, that, that United needs to have. I, I don't think it's any surprise if I was to talk to any United fan or, or pundit or supporter, I would say like, what's your guys' biggest problem? And they would say, we don't know like what we are mm-hmm. as a team. Yeah. yeah. We don't know our identity. We don't know like where we're going. So hopefully Eric Ten Hag can, can take the team under his own, 
own reins and put his own little spice on it and uh, make them a more competitive team for next season or yeah. the next seasons to come. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really going to be, uh, you know, got to show us uh, what he's capable of. Uh, the, the mass exit, you know, that's been, you know, I think a little more than rumored of all the players that he mm-hmm. wants to leave Man U. Uh, that's really going to stir the pot, like you said. Um, I am kind of questioning his whole Ronaldo exit thing. Um, I don't really see any indication that Ronaldo himself wants to leave. Um, He's been their best player all year. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about Ronaldo later, but he's been their best player all season. Yeah. Like, crazy. So... And, like, Ronaldo wants to say he's obviously putting in the performances. Yeah, he's old, but, like, you also have to take, like, seven years off his age because he's just in that kind of shape. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. I'm not pumped about that in particular. Uh, so, he better have something good up his sleeve if that's a uh, play he wants to kind of go with. Because right now, like Manu needs Ronaldo, I don't, I don't really see what their plan is if they don't have him. Yeah, like, I mean, you're just gonna hope that you have someone that's gonna be unless as well he, as him. unless his plan is to do kind of something similar to Arsenal, where it's just like a complete overhaul. I, like, yeah, like yeah. overhaul your team, but keep I your best think player. That's the yeah. way you have to go. Yeah, but but you wonder best player is like 37 years old. That's kind of tough. Yeah, yeah and plus your they, best player is also going to play until he's 45. And plus, if they <laughs> I know if they I can know. get money for if they can sell Ronaldo, get money for him, use that money to get some, you know, more youth because it is you can't you can't lean on Ronaldo for the next <laughs> five years. You well, know, what no, I mean? but like I I I honestly think they can still rebuild the team and keep him. Yeah. They, I mean, I'm for sure they should. I'm yeah. just saying that's probably what they're thinking. As long as he's not getting, I mean, again, United's a team that when Ronaldo signed with Juve, the biggest thing was we can't afford him because Juve was in such a financial crisis. Mm-hmm. We know that's not the case with Man U. Mm-hmm. They can buy anybody. They can support anybody financially. So for him to be there, it's not a financial risk. It was more of just you know, like a tactical or. Like, if it doesn't pay off kind of thing, we might have to get rid of him kind of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, he disapproved that right away. And when he first signed with the team, like one of our first podcasts of the season, we said, what is his impact going to be and why is he there? He's there to score goals. Yeah. I mean, the I don't think I don't think Man News had... I don't even know how many goals he has this season, to be honest. Like, full in total team goals. Maybe you guys can look it up real yeah. quick. Um, but, I mean, United hasn't had a top EPL goal scorer. Maybe even since like the Lukaku days, even before that, the Rooney days. Yeah. Like who was jumping off the page for you guys with United for goal scoring? The last second number is honestly Rooney or maybe Zlatan like scored a bunch or Van Persie. I don't even know. Like it's been a long ass time. (laughs) Yeah. So for Ronaldo to be doing what he's doing at his age, he's just he's a player that was brought into the side that is proven and that is reliable and that we know it can score. I mean, he was lighting up at Juve still. I mean, he hasn't really just fallen off. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like with with Rashford, he's really inconsistent and he's injury prone. With mm-hmm. Sancho, we had no idea what he's going to be this year. Martial got offloaded to Sevilla in the yeah. in in, yeah. in the summer or in January. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but other than those players, like who's scoring goals for you guys? Yeah. If, you, if you don't bring Ronaldo in, who do you look to score goals? Yeah. Because Cavani's barely played this year. 
Bruno Fernandez is a center midfielder at best. That's a playmaker. He's not going to give you 25, 30 goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, who is going to score if Ronaldo's not on this team? I know. We're going to have to see, like, what his plan is. If he, if he doesn't want him in his side, it's for a reason. So, hopefully, it pays off for him. But, I mean, if... I mean, maybe this ties into City, what I was going to say. But, like, City obviously would love to have a number nine similar to Ronaldo, but with that said, I know City have agreed to uh, I mean, personal terms with Erling Haaland, so Stop. yeah, we'll see if that uh, comes through. Now? In April? Uh, they said a, a deal could be finalized in the coming weeks, so... That's not even fair. We'll, we shall see. I want Chelsea to get Lewandowski. That's my dream. <laughs> Chelsea get Lewandowski. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Thanks, Joe, for just crushing that. Um, um, but no, so Cristiano Ronaldo has 21 goals uh, this season for Man U. Uh, in all matches? All, like in all, all competition. Comps. Yeah. Who's the next? Um, if, you can, if you can find that. I Probably like... I don't even know. Honestly. I don't even know. Someone with like nine... Yeah, I don't know, but um, it's this is a sketchy it's website. Like, you're um, it's it's probably <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what website it's found. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, if Ten Hag did want to exit Ronaldo, I don't know if this is just like splash and like clickbait that's going around too. It's just if that's your plan, like why do you have to announce it? Why do you have to, yeah, like say your best player is not in your future plans? Like I, I don't see what benefit that gives to your team. Yeah, I mean now that you say that, maybe it is just click because that is a very <laughs> Joe crazy with thing a to nine say. spot. Oh yeah, Bruno Fernandez nine. Bruno Fernandez nine goals. Boom. <laughs> and then Mason Greenwood's like facing jail time. So like, I mean half your you know your first three guys on your on your team. You got Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandez again, another playmaker who's got 14 assists this season. So he's just a complete player for them. Mm-hmm. But Mason Greenwood, he's gone. Sancho, unreliable. He doesn't start that many games as well. And then same with Rashford. Yeah. And if you have Fred pulling up the reader <laughs> in your goal scoring in your top five or six, you know something's wrong with your team. So again, if Ronaldo Fred. wasn't there, take away 21 goals from Man U this season in all competitions and 21 crucial goals too. It's not just like yeah. 21 garbage time goals. It's 21 meaningful goals half yeah. the time. So, I mean, those are gone. You're this, this team is a nobody. This team has nothing. This yeah. would be a bottom feeder team. If we're not for Ronaldo this year. Yeah. And like what he's been able to do for them with the goal scoring. Mm-hmm. Just in Premier league, uh, Premier league action. He scored, um, I think 15. Yeah. 15 goals. And I think nine of I think a lot of Fernandez's goals are from PKs too. Uh no, it's, it's zero. Oh, zero. What the hell? I thought they were PKs. Oh, I'm thinking Jorginho for for uh, <laughs> yeah for Chelsea. There you go. I think all his goals are PKs. Um, Maybe he's only had two PKs. That seems off. This right? Yeah, I guess so. Penalty kicks made. Oh, then yeah, penalty kick attempt. Oh, there you go. They have three. Hmm. Bruno Fernandez missed one. <laughs> but yeah, again, just from EPL standpoint, uh, 15 goals in the Premier League. Mm. The last 15 goal score for Man U was, like I said, maybe Lukaku before his trip to um to Inter. Yeah. 
not totally sure. I'm just thinking off the head, off the top of the head here, but yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, they need they need something. I mean, you otherwise they're just going to be a team that's on the outside looking in a Champions League every year. Um, but I mean, they're. <laughs> I mean, I was harping on our not harping on Arsenal, but I was giving Arsenal tons of praise. Like they're for sure gonna be the ones in Champions League, and then they slip up, it's three losses in a row, and yeah. now Tottenham's the one sitting well in Champions League, but they lost again. Now Man U's, you know, a little bit in, back in the mix. So it's like no one really wants to put their hand on the Champions League on the fourth Champions League spot and really just claim it as their own. Arsenal had their chance, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Cannot lose three games in the in a row in the in the run in, and like we're finally getting down to crunch time too with all the makeup games happening. Mm-hmm. Like this midweek uh, midweek schedule, I think is chock full of makeup games. Yeah. Um. Uh, tomorrow's match day thirty. I think I think we're actually on match day thirty three or thirty four, but Man U plays Liverpool tomorrow on Tuesday for a makeup match. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday's got a bunch of makeup games. Like this, it just looks funny to look at it from like the actual <laughs> scheduling table here. Match day, yeah, match day eighteen, match day twenty five, and then three games from match day thirty, all being played on April and Thursday. Sorry, on Wednesday and Thursday of this week, and then match thirty four actually resumes on Saturday. So it's just again, you know, because of COVID, because of other um, domestic and intercontinental competitions, makeup games have to be played. Uh, left and right and made up at the end of the season and it's kind of fun too we get treated to a man new liverpool game like midweek yeah mm-hmm. that was supposed to be played a month ago um, but we're getting that tomorrow yeah yep. and then the london derby kicking off on wednesday as well uh, between chelsea and arsenal again that's supposed to be played almost three months ago <laughs> yeah so a lot of a lot of big games coming up um man U liverpool i mean there's no there's no game like the man U liverpool uh it's oh, awesome i mean every year mm-hmm. If man, you bring some fight to it, um, oh. and that's the thing though with those games, it's table doesn't matter, nothing really matters. Just mm-hmm. they, it's it's whoever shows it to play that 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 day. Because um, as as a top player, I mean, those are the games you you know you live um, you live for as a as a footy player, mm-hmm. and like that can be more said than the the Merseyside derby. To be played this weekend between Everton, Everton and Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the biggest disconnect we've ever seen. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. between the two sides. I mean, with Liverpool being P two, and Everton being in seventeenth, only three points safe from relegation, which is crazy to even say in a sentence. Um, this match at Anfield on Sunday. I this mean, this is one of the, those games where if Everton beat Everton beat Liverpool. To like away. really take the title out of Liverpool's hands and like yeah, get Everton away from the that is tons at stake. They out of all the derbies, this this will be one of the ones where Everton fans look back and be like, yeah, there was that one game in 2022 where <laughs> Liverpool were itching closer to the title and they were one point away and then we beat them and then you know that started our transition out of it's just, the relegation area. It's just tough. It's like I want to be able to say that this is Everton's biggest game of the year, but. Usually those games that you mentioned are biggest games of the year games, it's a game that you can have a chance to win. Like the mm-hmm. biggest game for Everton would be like in two weeks from now if they play against Burnley or something. Or in two weeks from now they play against Leeds. It would be like their biggest game of the season. Mm-hmm. To say that this game is their biggest game of the season, it kind of hurts the 
the game a little bit because <laughs> again, like they're so far away from the root pool and like they don't even have a fighting chance, I feel like. Yeah. Like they could obviously they could pull off a win and you know, you have Norwich beat Man U. You could have Norwich beat Liverpool. I mean Norwich almost beat Man U this weekend mm-hmm. or this past weekend. If not for if not for a Ronaldo hat trick. Um but yeah, I mean it's tough for Everton, man. Tough spot. And I think yeah. they got a juicy little schedule to remaining. Like, yeah, it's definitely definitely scary for them, and they got some yeah, tough, yeah, tough games do. coming up. They Leicester, got Leicester, Leicester twice, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, a game against Crystal Palace, a game against Watford. It's gonna be big because those are all those are both bottom feeder teams, and then the last game of the season against Arsenal. Um, it's Arsenal away as well. Tough so that would be a tough, you know, tough games. They have eight games left in the schedule. Winnable games. I'm seeing maybe. Maybe two, ah, maybe one winnable game and maybe three draws. Yeah, you know I could see them drawing one game against Leicester. I could see them drawing against Brentford. You need, you know, the Watford game and Crystal Palace game can kind of go either way. They need two wins, I would say. So bring them at thirty-four. And tough yeah. for them too. They have a makeup. Oh. They have a makeup game this Wednesday as well, so they can't even. Yeah. Um. Have a full week of preparation for Liverpool match. They have a game against Leicester on Wednesday. Makeup match. Um. From match day was it match day thirty? I think it was or something. Mm-hmm. From about a month ago. Because I think Liver- I think Leicester match was actually 18. involved in FA Cup games. Right there. Match day eighteen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was uh, that was a lifetime ago. Was that like <laughs> December? <laughs> <laughs> that was that could be a COVID one. I think some of these games are more so because there was you know Carabao Cup or FA Cup. Yeah. Um, games being played, obviously Champions League as well. But I think the match day eighteen is probably a COVID game, probably from so. from maybe November or December. Yeah, because yeah. you don't usually see that much of a delay. Because mm-hmm. they're going, that's going back a ways. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, from Everton's standpoint, we'll talk about the relegation battle first before we get to the back of the top of the table. They got a tough run in, like we said, and. The sides like Burnley, they're aspiring their manager, Sean Dyche, after being there for so long. I saw a lot of pundits saying that's kind of slap in the face to Sean Dyche. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like... It, maybe maybe it do at the end of the season. Maybe he could have been there for the remainder of the year and hopefully you know, pull them out from the, like, the, rut, the rut that they're in. But I think people were saying the fact that he's been there for so long and he was able to provide Burnley with the seasons and the, you know the climb that they've had to the EPL mm-hmm. for as long as they have, I think he, they're saying that he was owed more than just to be relieved of duty with nine games remaining or whatever it was, seven games remaining. Yeah. Um. So I think that they're saying that's kind of a slap in the face to him. I'm seeing it as, again, you know, it's a team that's a, at the bottom of the table, the 18th place. They're right there in the relegation fight. You know, they can pull two, three wins out of nothing in their remaining schedule and maybe pull themselves out. But, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I don't know if if you're firing a manager this late in the season, maybe that's the only thing I can see. Like maybe you should have done this a couple months ago. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. get the new guy coming in a little bit more of a fighting chance. Whoever it is, I think it's just like a, a caretaker coming in into the spot. Yeah, I don't think they appointed a full on manager yet. I um, mean, but they have some winnable games too coming up. Yeah, for for me, you know, especially since there's so few games left. <sighs> It's it's one of those things, right? You bring in a new manager, players are all pumped. It's like changes, like will this get us out of the relegation zone? It you know you do get that little adrenaline rush with the new manager. Um, 
I'm I you guys know I always lean more towards keeping the manager um even if really tough times but I mean you know relegation is like the biggest disaster for a Premier League side mm-hmm. so it does call for like very drastic changes um do I see Burnley getting out of relegation I still I think Everton are going to pull through just kind of a, a gut feeling. Obviously, anything can happen, but it's only three points. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so tight. But the fact that he's been there for a decade, um, I don't know. It's like, what if what if they do pull it off and they stay up and they and they stuck with him? Like, what kind of what kind of environment are you gonna have if uh, if they if you're able to pull that off as a manager? I mean, it would just it would set the precedent precedent for the next season. I think it's like have the captain go down with the ship kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of my my viewpoint of it. He's been there for like, again ten years. He's brought Burnley to the promised land of the, of the Premier League for as long as they've been there for. If they're gonna go out, let Sean Dyche be the guy to see them out. If they're gonna mm-hmm. prevail, let Sean Dyche be the guy that's gonna see them prevail. Mm-hmm. Is it really yeah. that big of a deal if you like? That's the thing too. If you've let him go now and you still don't progress or you still don't you know stay um outside the relegation zone then what was the point of letting him go yeah like yeah it's a risky kind of move but again if you make this decision now in april you had it thought about in february yeah probably because they they never they haven't been out of the bottom three or four almost all season so it's not like it's new news it's not like everton where they dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped burnley have always been a bottom feeder team Mm -hmm. i mean they might have had a couple seasons where they finish you know 12th or 13th but this season in particular they've always been the bottom five let's just say yeah for the majority of the season so it's not like it's anything new for him to be there so i think in deitch's case it's more respectful to let him go down with the ship like i said mm-hmm. or let him be the guy to try and pull them out of it i don't know that's just kind of my two cents yeah I was confused because I swear I saw this and maybe I was right. I thought he signed a new deal that would see him stay there until 2025. In before the season started? Uh, when was this? September 16th, 2021. So that's going into this year. Well, that's, yeah, that's basically the beginning of the season. Oh, I thought it was later than that. But, but no, I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, you have to, he's been there for so long. I'm pretty sure. And I haven't been keeping up with Burnley over years. So I'm not sure, but I'm sure they've been in a pickle where they were getting like oddly close and he pulled them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to give him the chance to do it again. Um, you know, like I said, I would hate to see Everton go down, but I would have stuck with Sean Dice. If I were to give Burnley a chance, I probably would went that route. Cause what you're going to get a new guy come in and cross your fingers and hope that you know he's going to be the one to do it. I think give him a better chance with the manager that the players all know and respect. Um, now is this going to be a scrappy finish? Yeah, it's saying here there's rumors of the Middlesbrough manager, uh, Chris Wilder, being the new guy appointed at Burnley. But again, I don't think that would be this year because Middlesbrough is in their own um, battle right now, I think, to get promoted. Yeah. So he won't be leaving this season at all. Um, and also Middlesbrough having some pretty good success in the FA Cup. Uh, who did they beat? I think they beat Man U. 
uh, yeah. in the FA Cup. Yep. Um, so, I mean, if you can pull that off, that clearly puts your name kind of like in the top of the list or puts your name in some lights saying, hey, like I just beat Man U. So yeah. take a look at me to get promoted somewhere. Um, again, I, last thing I'll say about Burnley and Sean Dyche, I just think this late in the season for them to make this move, I don't know if there's anything going on behind the scenes, but that's just kind of a that's a, that's a dick move by yeah. by the Burnley um, brass. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's putting a lot of pressure on the team. It's putting more pressure on the players to perform now because, like I said, like a new guy's going to come in. Please don't say Sam Allardyce is coming in. <laughs> All Sam, he's in he's, he's yeah. in the running. Oh God, um, that'd be <laughs> hilarious. Even for even to get if you can get Big Sam in for two months, that'd be hilarious. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Burnley. Um, yeah. If they do get relegated, I mean, it's been a good run for them. Like we said before, staying afloat in the Premier League is for you know lower tier clubs is almost as good as winning it for higher tier clubs. Yeah. Um, just with the money coming in and the uh, the funding. So, I mean, it's gonna be again just a really really good battle uh, at the relegation zone. We've seen it time and time again coming out into the last game of the season. Um, I mean, there could be late drama. We never know. Uh, I mean, even eh, I don't think Leeds will drop down there, but yeah, Everton, Burnley for sure. Um, they're going to see it to the end, and you know, come match day, was it thirty eight? Well, um, well, we'll know the full story, <laughs> I guess. Um, to the top of the table, Man City, Liverpool, still keeping stride with each other, coming off back to back draws, respectively. <laughs> It was not against each other. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It See, was so much time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back. It was a week ago. Yeah, you're right. Back to back draws against each other. Because <laughs> my brain right now is on Champions League and FA Cup. That's why. See, even like the, even though these games are played like in the middle of the week against each other, it's like yeah. this game feels like so long ago. It does. Uh, what that was? Yeah, it's like a week yeah. ago. Oh, yeah, so last week. Eight, yeah, eight days ago. Uh, Man City Liverpool. Yeah. Um, face face each other to a two two draw. Um, I'd message you guys saying how I think this game would have been the game this season if somebody would have won. Yeah. On um, the fact that they both ended in a, in a, in a sorry, I'm fact that the game ended in a draw. Obviously, it's still exciting. It was a really good game. Mm-hmm. But there's just so many missed opportunities from both sides. Yeah. Where this could have been like a history books game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, this would have went down as a classic. Yeah, like we'd yeah. love to see goal scoring clearly. If if you know the guys would have been on point, like we know that they are with like Mo Salah and De Bruyne and um, like Grealish, you even. just needed Mars to score that. Mars yeah. at the end. Um, this game could have been like five four. Yeah, it would have been one to talk about for years. But yeah, two two draw for them. Um, I mean, just from the the table point of view, like this is the best result that they could have asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure if you would have asked Pep and and Klopp going into it. Saying, hey, like if we can guarantee a draw to this match, would you be okay with that? It'd probably both have, say yes. Both, both of them might have said yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially with other things on their plate, obviously, like the quarterfinal matches that they both had to play midweek in Champions League. Liverpool coming away 3 3 draw against Benfica, but prevailing 6 4 on aggregate. So Liverpool will play Villarreal in the semifinal leg against, or sorry, in the semifinal leg instead of Bayern Munich, which is probably the biggest surprise yep. out of the Champions League. Um, Quarterfinal matchups. Uh, Bayern Munich losing 1 0 to Villarreal away, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then drawing 1 1 um, back at home with an 87th minute goal scored by Villarreal to 
take a 2-1 aggregate victory away from Bayern Munich. And we said before how we think that Bayern Munich is the team that matches up best against Man City and how badly we want to watch them play each other in a Champions League final. Yep. And this is before, I think this is during the group stage we talked about this. Yeah. And the way that it was shaping up, it would have been that. It would have been mm-hmm. Bayern Munich and Liverpool in semifinal one. And I was kind of hoping for Man City and Chelsea in semifinal two. Yeah. But Man City against Real Madrid in the other semifinal match um, with you know a chance for them to play each other in the final. But the way that's looking out now... We could have a Man City Liverpool final. Yeah, which would that, be just. And for the amount of times that these guys play each other, like just in recent history, I mean, with them playing each other, obviously, mm-hmm. um, on April the tenth in in uh, Premier League action and drawing two two, coming back and playing each other, you know, two days ago on Saturday in FA Cup semifinals, Liverpool coming away three two victors in that match, for them to be playing each other again in a Champions League final. Yeah. My question to you guys is: Does that kind of, does the frequency of them playing each other take away or add to the rivalry of them? Because, like you said before, yeah. it's more of a tactical rival between these two guys. It's not like it's really animosity and they're heated, like we see in other sports or even just in other um, Premier League matchups or footy matchups throughout Europe. Like, does the allure kind of get taken away that they play each other so often? For me, I think it it's more of a personal thing. Um, for me, I think it adds to it uh, just to see them go head to head so many times, and um, just because I feel like if if you get more games against a team and you see different results, I think it adds to it because now you know Liverpool beat Man City in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Man City's been dominating the EPL. Um, they always maybe had slightly the upper hand on Liverpool when they were when they would play. But Liverpool, you know, has had a lot of games where they beat City. So the more times you get massive games where they're playing each other, you go into the game and you don't know who's going to come out a winner, right, in these massive games, especially when you have um, Liverpool coming out on top on bigger games like the FA Cup game. Mm-hmm. So the final's going to come. No one knows. You know, if you were to have Villarreal go through against City, then it's like you have a sense of obviously what might happen. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it adds to it for sure. Jody, I would say it adds to it. Um, just because it is a tactical matchup. I would say it's interesting to see how, and I know the FA Cup, it was, a, you know, just touch on that a bit. It was a bit odd to see the lineup City put out. Um, it was almost as if Pep was kind of pushing it off to the side a little bit. That, especially with throwing Zach Steffen in net. Yeah. And him being, you know, the centerpiece of one of the most costlier yeah. plays that we've seen yeah. recently. Um, but he did say, like, we have a lot of injuries. They couldn't play De Bruyne, really. Um, not sure what was up with Ederson and, you know, Rodri. But, you know, you saw Mara's come in and just the game was almost done and dusted. We were like, oh, the game's done. And then Mara's comes in, just creates that chance, and then it's 3-2. And only only one sub shown by Pep too, like with them trailing. Yeah, they'd be on the front foot to try and push, but only bringing Mara's in instead of you know bringing De Bruyne as well and Gundogan or something. I think it was he had conceded that he decided. Okay, he's like this after the first half. This match is done. On to the next one. He doesn't really. His priorities for sure are Champions League and the league right now. Um, this game probably mattered. This is probably the biggest semifinal that 
he cares the least about. If that no, makes that sense. makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I think Carabao Cup would be the biggest thing I don't care least about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So I'm only saying because Chelsea lost. If Chelsea would have won that, I'd be celebrating that it was a Champions League. Title. Yeah, I think if Jesus takes his chance and scores, well, to go back a bit, I think because the first half went so bad. I do know, I don't know if it's a habit Pep has or if it's just speculation from the pundits that he thinks the team that got him into that mess should be the team that gets him out. He's like, hey, I picked you guys to go out you know, tr- and win this game. Like, I'm not going to put out a team if I don't think you guys at least have a chance. And he's like, you bottled the first half that bad. I'm not going to make th- four subs at halftime to, to, for these guys I'm supposed to be resting and trying to like fix your mistake. So, Which I kind of respect in a way with him. Yeah. Um, because it's not like like you look at this lineup, and it's not like this is like their second, you know. It's still really good. It's still a really good lineup. There's no reason why they should be down. I know, and a lot some of it has to do with Zach Steffen and the mistakes he made. Mm-hmm. Um, but going forward, they were not creating too too much. It wasn't until the second half, and they got the goal from Grealish, where they started threatening, and you saw them start to control a little bit more. But, I mean, it goes to show Jesus has, if you're going to be, or if you want to be that number nine person, um, I know he's he's on the wing a lot now and he is pretty effective there, but you have to score. Yeah. You have to score that chance. Yeah, and that situation in particular, it doesn't matter what position you're playing. He could have been playing center defensive mid. You have to score. In that position, you got to bury that. Yeah. To be clear in on Allison, just raise the ball over, man. I yeah. See, you see it so many times where, like, where the player tries to side foot it into like along the ground. If you just raise that puppy like three feet in the air, yeah, that's it. He's so far away from the net too. Like exactly, he, he had uh, so Allison. much. He was. It's like, not even like you're chipping the goalie. It's just you're. Just and he was at the, the perfect. He was off to the. He he's yeah. right footed. He was off to the left of the goal. Kind of curled it in. But I, the mistake was like he didn't he didn't touch the ball when Allison started to go down, so he didn't like change the angle. He just shot it and so straight. Very- Allison, I mean, kudos to Allison too. Like just yeah. cutting the angle off like he did, getting other yeah. as fast as he did. As a goalkeeper, it's all you can basically do. Like when a when a player's clear in on you from you know mm-hmm. twenty five yards out. Um, but yeah, we've seen it time and time again. Like I feel like it works half the time, but then it also doesn't work mm-hmm. the other half the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, just put it in the air, man. Yeah, just put just it's like again, it's not you're you're not chipping the goal. You're just putting it in the air around it. You have to be whole entire net to shoot at. Yeah, just put it in the air, curl it away from him. Yeah, these and guys yeah. can bend it from like thirty yards out. They can curl it in from like. Yeah. Five feet away yeah. from the keeper. Any any like top notch striker nowadays puts that in. Mm-hmm. So it's it's too bad, but they had some fight at the end. End of the day, Liverpool got the win. I think obviously, like Joe said, Pep to Pep, this was second priority. So I really want to see them go in Champions League final. It's the only game that matters. Everyone's rested. Top lineups out. Mm-hmm. We'll see who wins. Yeah, man. I mean, again, another two-leg tie coming up with Liverpool via Real April 27th, and I believe uh, it would be the same day that City would play their their Champions League. Uh, 26th. Yeah. So the day before is the uh, first leg for Spanish City versus Real mm-hmm. Madrid. Um, definitely tune into those games. I oh, yeah. think the more entertaining match would be Man City versus Real Madrid. Yep. Yeah. Um, having Pep Guardiola going against Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, just just a huge tidal wave matchup. Um, from manager standpoint, from the supporter standpoint, obviously the guys on the pitch. I think, I think Man City would still, on paper, sack up better than Real Madrid. But that being said, 
like obviously Madrid not playing it like as well as they with Madrid not playing well basically against Chelsea and just having basically two moments of brilliance or mm-hmm. two two efforts uh, that they converted on I think they still have momentum and I think still going forward Real Madrid has had a good run um even just back in like La Liga for them to be at the top of the table like they are mm-hmm. and I mean I think did they win last year I think Atletico won last year uh and, uh, yeah. Look it up, boys. Maybe. Get on that, Jamie. Get on the uh the Google <laughs> machine. Um <laughs> I think with uh Atletico being I'm oh, sorry, Real Madrid being in like just good form, like I said. And and they still have world class. Yeah, players. it was Atletico. They won last year, Atletico. Yeah. Um so yeah, Madrid being back at the top of the table for La Liga, some plays that they haven't been for a couple of seasons. Um Carlin Gelati just knows how to win in Champions League. We've seen that before. You know, with his tenure at uh you know AC Milan and just what he's been able to do with Madrid since he's been there in the last couple of years and even his time there before. And, yeah, I think this would be a really good matchup. Again, we were hoping for the Bayern Munich and Man City um, final. A Man City versus Real Madrid semifinal is probably the next best thing we can look for. And then, clearly, yeah, just a Liverpool-Man City final would be, would be wild yeah. to look at as well. Yeah. Um just from FA don't, Cup. Oh, go ahead. Don't count out Villarreal. Villarreal, no, man. They, they knocked out Juve. That's not saying much. They knocked out Bayern Munich. <laughs> That's saying much. You know. I uh, with with the City Real game, I I would have uh, like for a big reason why I would lean more towards City in that game is um because of Kyle Walker being able to uh shut down Junior. The issue is now um, there's still no clear indication of one Kyle Walker is going to be back mm. from his injury um, that he got against Atletico. So it's going to replace him there, Zinchenko. Um, well, I mean they they had Cancelo, Ake. Um, Ake was playing center back though. Yeah, but they they can have Ake play on the left as well and Cancelo on the right. So I've seen them do that. Oh, okay. Um, so in the FA Cup scenario, they did have Zinchenko, but I have seen Akai go on the left so that Stones and Laporte can play in the in the middle. Um, that's that's the only thing where um, with the pace that Junior has, um, even though he is really fast, it's still like Kyle Walker is still <laughs> much quicker than he is. Yeah, seriously. Um, I haven't seen anyone that's even been close to Kyle Walker's pace, to be honest. So that was the only caveat where if they could shut him down, um, I don't think Benzema would get the service he would normally get, and I think City would have a much easier time. Hmm. But if he's out, I think it's going to be really interesting because I think Concello and Zinchenko and Ake would all have like a very tough time with him. Yeah, not to mention obviously again with Benzema, mm-hmm. you know, cutting in and out of the side, and um, you know Modric just being able to play a pass like anybody. Has Ruben Diaz lost his place in the side for Man He's City? been injured. Long-standing uh, hamstring injury. Yeah. So he's been on. He's been able to come in as a substitute. He just hasn't. Because I'm looking at just the last couple matches here. He's been on the bench, so he's been match fit. Yeah, but he's still just, coming back from injury. Yeah, so he's just getting back from injury. Um, obviously, I think uh, Pep is being very cautious because um, Pep obviously would assume that they're gonna make it to um, where they have made it to the semis or the final in Champions League. So I think. Um, he wants to prolong it until he's like fully match fit and can play a full mm-hmm. ninety minutes. 
Save them for the big games, like I guess Real Madrid and Newcastle. Yeah, or Newcastle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'm convinced I'm buying a Newcastle jersey. Now. You're, you're gonna have to. That's I still what... want to pay shipping. You, you guys want to pay the shipping for me? Sure. All right. This is like 45 bucks in shipping. <laughs> from yeah, from wherever. From the tune. Yeah. From uh, you know, from the shore shores of Newcastle to to Tecumseh, Ontario, Canada. Actually. Um. Just a shout out for my boys for Chelsea a little bit. I mean, I, again, I touched on them in the beginning of the podcast. Having the Champions League match that they did, um, being able to come back from that and play an FA Cup game again against against a side like Crystal Palace, you would expect Chelsea to win, obviously, but it was still a hard-fought game. And where'd it go? I'm trying to find it. Still a hard-fought game against Crystal Palace. I mean, another... Um, you know, London rivalry team. They always play tough against the, the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal and Tottenham. And for Ruben Loftus Cheek to kind of get the the starts that he's had and the playing time that he's had, he's finally showing himself a little bit more as a Chelsea player. He's been there for so long. He's been on loan for so many years as well. Mm-hmm. And with Kovacic being injured now, and into uh, with um Angola Conte, I'm saying Antonio Conte, <laughs> with Angola Conte being. Um, injured as well and being more of a, of a defensive um, minded player clearly Chelsea was kind of lacking that you know attacking side through the middle of the pitch and Loftus-Cheek being able to get you know a bunch of playing time he did play against Real Madrid I think in both legs and to get the start here and to get a nice goal in the 65th minute to propel Chelsea to the 1-0 um, lead and then Mason Mount being again one of Chelsea's players of the season wrapping the game up in the 76th minute to score to put the game away 2-0 for Chelsea. It was just good to see, again, like the youth academy players and the younger players for Chelsea really coming through clutch when they have to be. Mm-hmm. And even though I said that it's been a tough season with the lack of play from Lukaku, it's almost like Chelsea's like winning in spite of him now. Yeah. Because I believe he was available for this game. Hmm. He yeah. did. Okay, he came in later on. Mm-hmm. I think he came in like garbage time minutes. I think it was already 2-0 at this point. Yes, yeah. it was. Mason Mount scored in the 76th, and then Lukaku came on for like 13 minutes and ran around the pitch, yeah. and he missed a sitter from five feet away. <laughs> That's when I texted you guys saying that he just stinks. Yeah, <laughs> It was literally, again, another great effort from Timo Werner playing full 90 minutes. Um, he drove the baseline, the byline baseline, passed it out to Lukaku, directly in front of the net. He just redirects it off the post. Yeah, And I'm like... This guy. How? How? <laughs> Just get a goal, man. Any way you yeah. can get a goal, please. He's got less than 10 goals this season. He's getting outscored by Jorginho, who's only scored PKs this year. It's just such a frustrating year. And again, yeah. I, I don't want to harp on my team so much, even like when they win. But it's just the little things that if this team can perfect this, perfect that, just improve on you know this a little bit, they can be such a better team than what they actually are. Mm-hmm. And just be more competitive. And it's just converting chances. And it's the frustrating part about them because they'll try and build up the play. They'll try and do what they can. They'll play the tiki-taka Barcelona stuff, which kind of drives me nuts. But then once they get the opportunity to score, they just don't. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they'll do 99% of everything right and they just won't score. It's yeah. very frustrating. Yeah. I um, mean, they. It's going to be interesting to see how the Lukaku saga unfolds when the season's done. Um, I was yeah. so happy. I was so incredibly happy when they signed him. Yeah, I know. I'm like, he's back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, listen to our first ever episode of this podcast, and you can see how happy I was. And 
it's just been darkness and sadness. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, wasn't expecting this. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he does leave. I don't know where he goes from here, but. I heard he wants to go back to Inter. That's where he yeah. had his best ever seasons, really. Winning the title with them, winning the Scudetto, and yeah, again, like being the guy, being the man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'd be very, very another bad business by Chelsea. Oh God! And as <laughs> pay, if they, as pay if they how need much? That right now. Just pay add it, it, add it to the list. Pay how? That's like a hundred. But they sold Lukaku way back in the day for like thirty. Bought him back for a lot. Hundred. Now they're gonna sell him back to Inter thirty for less. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna lose both times. Like, yeah, they're gonna sell him twice and lose money, <laughs> like in total. <laughs> like amazing. Net loss of forty million from two transfers. Well, from, well, yeah, We're the same selling person. it twice. Ugh, terrible. Lose hundreds of millions on the same same like, transfer. Like the same as, person. as if Chelsea needs any more financial, you know, strife yeah. in their in their side right now with those with what's going on. I know I don't know if we're gonna have a team next year. <laughs> like we were just fold. Chelsea's gonna Chelsea's gonna fold next year. We're gonna fold for a new club. Like, <laughs> Lampard's just gonna like buy the team for like nothing, and then just start off in like <laughs> I don't know League Division five. Division Four or something. With the Chelsea's, likes of Rexel. Chelsea's going to fold. Tweet comes up by Chelsea. Oh, it's been not for much deliberation that uh, we as Chelsea have had to fold the club. <laughs> Seriously, though. Can't, I mean, can't get 11 guys to come out. I mean, if, if Ryan Reynolds can buy Wrexham, I mean, Will Ferrell can buy Chelsea. Will yeah. Ferrell's a huge Chelsea supporter. Yeah. Um, maybe, I remember... Remember that really bad movie that he made, uh, the Holmes and Watson? Did yeah. you see that one? I didn't see it. I just saw no, it. I didn't see it either. Awful. I don't want to be on the record for seeing it that I saw it. But I remember there was a match. Um, it was him and John C. Riley, his co-star in that movie. And they were at Stanford Bridge promoting that movie. And they were done up in like basically Sherlock Holmes gear. It was hilarious. Yeah. They both had like full mustaches on. They had like the fedoras on. I think they had like the monocle, like one little glass mm. eye, eyeglass thing. And they're just like sitting in the stands in like a four-piece suit. It was hilarious. It was like it was for promoting for that movie. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, Will Ferrell. He's like, come on, say he's a huge Chelsea supporter. So maybe he can. Yeah, maybe he can fund yeah. the team. Yeah, who knows? I know there's talks of. You know, I think the Chicago Cubs manager. Oh, sorry, the Chicago, Chicago Cubs owner is tr- maybe trying to buy the team. The Boston Celtics owner, I think, maybe said too wants to buy the oh, team. Yeah? So they have they have people interested. It's just gonna be for the right price, and I think the price is dropping. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, if anything, I would imagine because I think I'm not totally sure, but I feel like the FA has kind of taken a lot of control um, on the finances, and they're basically limiting what Abramovich can profit from selling the team. Yeah, so it's like no matter what he sells it for, they're gonna drop the price of the team so that he can't profit that much money. Or whatever okay. they sell it for, his stake or his percentage of what the profit is will be so low that like he's gonna lose money. They're basically just trying to hurt mm-hmm. him. Yeah, the FA is trying to get money, and they're trying to hurt Abramovich for his involvement in whatever he did with uh, with Russia. But I don't know. I just want my team to have a home next year and to have <laughs> someone with some guidance. Yeah. Um. Because I think I think the pieces are there. I think Tuchel is a good manager. I just think. Again, we're maybe one or two guys away, whoever that is, I don't know. But we're one or two guys away from having like a really solid squ- uh, squad mm-hmm. where we can put out a, a starting 11 every week that's like really competitive. Yeah. With yeah. the likes of Man City and Liverpool. Because that's the that's the thing. It, Chelsea has depth, 
but they don't have the world class depth. Yeah, like bringing Pulisic on is great, but he's really streaky. Bringing mm-hmm. Hakim Ziyech on is great, but he's really streaky. Mm-hmm. You look at Liverpool, and they got Firmino coming off the bench. You can score all the time. They Man City has you know Mars or Sterling or Grealish coming off the bench all the time who can score and provide for your team. Mm-hmm. Chelsea well, defensively, Grealish. I think. Oh, Grealish <laughs> maybe hit or miss. It's Sterling. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the the pedigree of this mm-hmm. of the players coming in though. And then defensively, I think Chelsea's great. I think Chelsea's really well structured defensively. If they can lock up Rudiger, I know they've had a lot of contract talks in the last few months. Um, I think they should spend the money on him and, and just give it to him. He's been playing every single game basically all season. I don't think he's missed a game, even in all competitions, the FA Cup, Carabao Cup, whatever it is. He's played almost ninety minutes every game and he's performing. He's scoring on him on one end and he's defending goals on the other. So. Yeah, I think they should lock him up for sure, and then the aging players like Aspilicueta, like he's gonna start seeing his way out. Um, Thiago Silva, he hasn't played as much, but he's gonna again gonna start seeing his way out. But then you have the likes of Chalaba, you have Reese James, Ben Chilwell when he gets healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they could bring in one guy just to maybe, you know, push Rudiger. Cause I think Christensen's going to Roma next year. I think Andreas Christensen. Yeah, I think he's signing with uh, Roma. Okay. Um. I know that, or maybe so, so, somebody else, maybe Dortmund. I can't remember. He's signing somewhere, I think, next season. He's already, yeah. like, they've already put it on paper, so they're gonna lose him. But again, he hasn't played in so long. Yeah. Um. So maybe just bring in one guy defensively. But other than that, man, I think they're pretty solid. Yeah. Maybe a playmaker in the middle, but give Mount more, more time, more responsibility. I think he can, he can perform as well. Yeah. Yeah, they have know. they have all the makings there. They just gotta obviously figure out the whole dynamic of what's gonna happen with the team. Mm-hmm. And make some changes, and um, you know they want to be back to to title contenders. So uh, hopefully, whoever comes in as a new owner can can work with Tuchel and the board and figure out how they're going to do that. Yeah, and then we, like we talked about before with Man United, them being more as like a money making um, club. Yeah, that's one thing. But whoever comes in at Chelsea, I hope they actually want to win. Yeah, I hope they want to invest money in the right ways, not just from a marketing campaign and a branding standpoint. I hope they want to invest in Chelsea to win titles, mm-hmm. to win Champions League, to win the Premier League. I love winning Champions League. That's obviously amazing. Um, I mean, it's the biggest European pedigree you can get. But I think there's more in it from winning the title too. I don't know mm-hmm. if that. I don't know if that's just because I'm being selfish because Chelsea has won twice in my lifetime. But I just love winning the Premier League title because mm-hmm. it's an entire year grind. Mm-hmm. There's so much more involved than winning Champions League. Yes, Champions League, you're playing against the top sides in all of the countries involved in Europe. And again, like the pedigree is amazing, but you're playing one or two games every, you know, 3 months or something sometimes. Yeah. Premier League title, man, you're going from August to May mm-hmm. like nonstop. You know, two games a week sometimes, three games a week sometimes, like a Monday, Thursday, Sunday. That grind, I think, is way more um, strenuous on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to build a team more to win the Premier League title than you have to build a team to win the Champions League. Because, again, Champions League can catch fire and kind of win at any point. Yeah. Like, we've seen it before with, like, underdog stories. Like, Porto winning with Mourinho. Yeah. Dortmund getting the final with, with Klopp, uh, I think, before he went to uh, Liverpool. You can just have, like, the right team at the right time and get through Champions League. Even Chelsea, actually, with Liverpool and... Oh, sorry, with Tuchel and, and Lampard. Mm-hmm. They weren't the best team to win. Yeah. But they just caught fire at the right time, and they won. Um, Premier League, though, I just take way more out of it. Yeah, because you, you don't accidentally win the, uh, yeah. the EPL title. Leicester? 
Except well, that's the thing. They, <laughs> I knew you were gonna yeah. say it, Joe. I take away from you. They, Sorry. Yeah. they, they performed week in, week out. They beat all the top teams. They did. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they. It was the perfect year for them because the other top teams were just not. None of them were on that yeah. year. City was off. Tottenham, Tottenham was the biggest threat, and they. Yeah. They did not get it done. So, it was like the perfect year. They only what they got eighty some points that year. Yeah. I think so. I think it was the lowest that. That's crazy too. Anything about yeah. it? I kind of forgot. Yeah, about it just that. shows how how the other four teams just were not winning consistently, and because they're also preoccupied with Champions League. Yeah. It'd be actually interesting to know who won Champions League that year. Might have been, mm. might have been Bayern Munich year. Think so. Just guessing. Let's go, Jamie. Hurt the fingers. Yeah. Was it twenty fifteen? Uh, uh, it was 2015-2016 season. Yeah, okay, Leicester yeah. won with 81 points. Arsenal did eventually finish second with 71. Um, Tottenham, <laughs> last five games, they had two losses, two draws, and a win. I think Tottenham kind of lost steam after Leicester secured it. Oh, the Real Madrid won the Champions League that year. Okay, it was Madrid. Yeah, yeah Liverpool finished eighth that year. Chelsea finished 10th. Yeah, Man that was, was a Chelsea fall-off. Chelsea won the year before and mm-hmm. finished 10th. Yeah, Man U finished fifth. City was fourth. Arsenal second. You said that Arsenal was second with 71 points? Yeah. Right now, Liverpool is second with 73 with seven games to play. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> with possibly 21 more points on the on the cards for Liverpool. Yeah, it was wow. uh, like 81 points. It had 23 wins, 12 draws, and three losses, and they won the title. I remember wow. the days of Sir Alex Ferguson. Man U would win the title with... 35 wins, two draws, oh my God, and one they loss. Have two months in hand of like the next place team <laughs> yeah. to, to clinch it. Back in the glory days of Man U. Even the last couple of years, though, it's been like around 100 points. This year won't be 100. I don't think so. Um, It's been close to like in the you know, mid 90s to 100. Yeah. This that's... year, Man City, if they do win out, uh, they would have 95. Yeah. We'll see, what, we'll see if that happens. Um, Just to wrap it up here. Well, we got we got games like I said midweek, a um, bunch of makeup games on the schedule, uh, dating from Tuesday to Thursday, highlighted by Liverpool Man U. That's tomorrow on the Tuesday at three o'clock, Chelsea Arsenal on the Wednesday at two forty-five, and I mean Man City does play on Wednesday as well against Brighton. I'm sure they'll take a victory there, and then match day thirty-four officially also kicks off this Saturday. Arsenal Man U, the early game Saturday morning, 7.30. Chelsea-West Ham, London Derby game on Sunday at 9 o'clock. And Liverpool-Everton um, facing off against each other at Anfield. Again, the Merseyside Derby. Uh, probably, uh, definitely definitely one of the games to watch. I'd probably say the Arsenal Man U one has the highest stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, just for both clubs because they're so close to each other on points at the top of the table. But the most emotional, the most passionate game, the game I definitely will not miss, will be the Liverpool-Everton game. Yep. 11.30 on Sunday the 24th. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, that's going to be huge, man. I, I hope Everton pulls it out. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. it's going to really hurt Liverpool like we touched on. This could be like Everton's biggest fuck you of all time <laughs> if they're able to win this game plus hurt Liverpool's title chances. Yeah. Um, man City playing against Watford on Saturday, you would think come away with a victory on that one and already be uh, four points ahead going into the Sunday match for Liverpool to look at but um yeah we'll see yeah it's gonna we be good. shall see 
Joe, got anything to touch on? No. I think we're good to go. Yeah, good. Santiago? Good. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at footy underscore fans. Fans spelled P-H-A-N-S. As always, we will tune in to next week after all week's action. Sounds good. See ya. Bye, everyone. Ciao, guys.